Chapter Six of A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nellie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nellie by J. B. Polly. Chapter Six: Battle of Second Manassas. Camp near Winchester, Virginia, October the 8th, 1862. My last letter to you was mailed at Richmond sometime in July. Since then we have been so steadily on the go that I have only been able to write the briefest of notes to inform friends of my continued existence and good health. From the newspapers you will by this time have placed yourself au courant with all important events. To relate my personal experiences and observations will require a longer letter than I usually have the heart to inflict, even upon a lady. I overtook the command on the south side of the Rappahannock, the five regiments in bivouac, side by side, on an open hill, and all out of tobacco. So too was I within five minutes, for, not suspecting the condition of affairs, I entered camp smoking, and was at once relieved of my superabundance of Zarvona, and even of the small sack of Lone Jack, which, in a moment of aristocratic extravagance, I had purchased in Richmond for almost its weight in Confederate money. But about sundown Commodore Dunn appeared with a whole wagon-load of the weed, and then happiness prevailed, and clouds of fragrant smoke ascended in spiral wreaths toward the blue heavens. At two o'clock on the 26th of August we began the longest and most fatiguing march we have ever made. All that evening, all that night, and all the next day until sundown, it was tramp, tramp, tramp. Jackson was up at Manassas Junction, had captured an immense amount of commissary and quartermaster supplies, but was about to be surrounded and wanted help. A couple of hundred yards from the road, the body of a man dressed in the uniform of a Confederate officer swung from the limb of an oak tree. The story, as I heard it, was this. A message, purporting to be from General Longstreet, was delivered by an officer to General Blank. Obeying it, the latter instantly halted his command, but, suspecting treachery and seeing Longstreet approaching, detained the messenger. "'Why have you halted, sir?' demanded Longstreet angrily. "'By your order, sir,' replied General Blank. "'Who delivered the order?' "'That officer on the sorrel horse.' "'Who authorized you to deliver the order, sir?' demanded Longstreet of the officer. "'General Longstreet,' replied he without a moment's hesitation, and looking Longstreet full in the face. "'Do you know General Longstreet?' "'I do, sir.' is he present he is not sir arrest that man said longstreet turning quickly to the officer in command of his bodyguard then detail an officer and six privates to carry him to that tree over yonder and hang him he is a spy the fellow acknowledged that he was a federal officer and had been offered an immense sum of money if he would delay the march of longstreet's corps long enough to enable pope to capture jackson 
he had played for a big stake and lost but asking neither trial nor mercy met his fate like a man on the evening of the twenty eighth we passed through thoroughfare gap and at sundown camped on the side of an open hill near the top of it the commissaries were busy issuing hardtack some idlers gave a couple of empty barrels a twirl and a kick that sent them racing down the hill with a racket like the charge of a regiment of cavalry and instantly while many of our men sprang for the guns stacked on the colour line hundreds sprang to their feet intent on seeking safety in flight i did neither i am proud to say happening to be standing close to the only tree within three hundred yards i stood my ground like a man it's nothing but barrels you fools shouted some cool observant fellow and thus checked an incipient stampede at daylight of the twenty-ninth we were awakened by the noise of musketry and artillery firing it was several miles away but still loud enough to convince us that a terrible battle was in progress between jackson and pope at sun-up we were on the way to relieve old stonewall the brigade marching in column but with skirmishers your humble servant was one of them under colonel upton in advance no enemy appearing to check us we made rapid progress and about ten o'clock in the morning took position on jackson's right a mile or more from the scene of the matutinal battle the regiment lying comfortably and at ease in line on one edge of a narrow skirt of timber the skirmishers standing behind and ardently hugging the trees on the other edge in front was a gently undulating meadow probably a quarter of a mile wide stretching to the right as far as the eye could reach and to the left to the railway cut from which pope had been trying all the morning to drive jackson's men on the opposite side of the meadow from us was another skirt of timber and here were posted yankee skirmishers but as neither they nor we were so desirous of cultivating an intimate acquaintance with each other as to make ourselves conspicuous the day passed with but occasional interchanges of hostile compliments indeed yankee thirst for gore was so fully and early satiated by jackson's brave louisianans and virginians that both armies appeared to have regained their good humour and to be enjoying an interregnum of what caesar cicero or some other great and famous roman denominates as otium cum dignitate deceived into carelessness by these apparently amicable relations jack sutherland and i about three o'clock in the evening were finding ease for our weary limbs at the foot of a tall tree at the extreme outer edge of the timber he resting his head against its trunk i sitting cross-legged a few feet from him our guns held in our laps jack was at the most interestingly philosophical part to him of a long dissertation on social etiquette when the boom of a cannon broke upon our ears the sound came from the right and looking in that direction we became witnesses of a seemingly desperate cavalry battle but at such a distance from us that we were unable to distinguish confederates from federals dense black clouds of dust and smoke marked the points where charges and countercharges were made and repulsed 
lurid flashes of fire from the mouths of cannon leapt now and then into sight beneath the overhanging pall while an incessant rattle of small arms and roar of artillery greeted our ears wholly absorbed in watching that scene it was startling to hear the simultaneous crash of a dozen batteries on our left this latter demonstration was an effort of general pope to demoralize jackson's troops preparatory to charging and driving them in confusion from their position in the railroad cut this was not more than half a mile long but running diagonally across our line of vision we could only see the red banks of clay behind which crouched the defiant confederates the federals however forming in battle array and with flags waving proudly in the breeze moved forward a dark and threatening line of blue in plain view advancing to the crest of the hill within a hundred yards of the cut they halted a second as if to perfect their alignment and then as if moved by a single impulse sprang forward with a long-drawn huzzah ringing from their ten thousand throats on they went until half the distance to the cut was covered and then the smoke flash and roar of four thousand well-aimed guns burst from the confederate entrenchment and a wild reckless and terrifying southern yell echoed and re-echoed over the hills and hollows and through the woodlands and scarcely had it ceased to reverberate when the smoke lifted and disclosed the survivors of that murderous volley fleeing for dear life back to their own lines its victims lying dark blots on the greensward writhing and struggling dead dying and wounded that infantry struggle lasted scarcely five minutes but a thousand men were killed and more than twice as many more wounded the cavalry fight on our right continued an hour but only five men were killed and seventeen wounded no wonder all want to jine the cavalry three such assaults were made on the railroad before the yanks on that part of their line decided they had enough about the time they reached this wise conclusion half a dozen bullets pattered on the ground and against the trees around me and jack someone said jack you and joe had better get behind a tree those fellows are shooting at you too the advice seemed so sound that i immediately sought the protection of an adjacent tree being much lazier than i jack did not move as quickly but when half a second after he had summoned up energy to let his head drop forward toward his knees a ball struck the tree on the very spot where his cranium had rested he displayed an activity truly wonderful ten minutes afterward orders came to the skirmishers to drive the yankees out of the timber beyond the meadow casting a look behind to assure ourselves that our respective regiments would follow closely enough to enable us to give them prompt warning of danger we moved forward the light of battle in our eyes i reckon and the fear of it in our hearts i know much to our delight the enemy was as swift in retreat as we in advance they did not even fire on us as we crossed the meadow and once in the timber our courage returned in full vigour it is really surprising how comfortable even a sapling is to a fellow on a skirmish line 
but by this time it was getting dark and before i reached the open field beyond the timber it was not only quite dark but the skirmish line had melted into utter nothingness there was no severe fighting going on anywhere so far as sight and hearing enabled me to judge but i was alone not a friend near to advise me and bullets were whistling around me in such threatening superabundance and from so many directions that i felt very much as i used to when my mother compelled me to sleep in a room all by my lone self besides i was getting very tired of dodging just when my patriotism had sunk to the lowest ebb i heard the command forward eleventh mississippi guide centre and saw a long straight and dark line moving apparently sideways down the hill in the direction of where i supposed the enemy to be following it i soon overtook the rash fellows and when the regiment halted at the bottom of the hill to recover the breath it had lost in descending placed myself in position to support its right flank i thought the colonel in command would be too wise to proceed farther but again his hoarse voice shouted forward while a captain close behind me declared he would shoot the first man who attempted to skulk thus you see charming nelly danger not only confronted me but lurked in my rear rapid thought was a necessity the fourth texas was certainly entitled to the credit of any gallantry i might accidentally or otherwise display knowing that i was not with the regiment colonel carter would naturally conclude i was at the front and would come immediately to my relief with the whole regiment at his back obviously the eleventh mississippi was going into danger and it was better to risk the captain's pistol than the thousand and tens of thousands of guns which would be turned against me if i went forward thus reasoning i permitted my mississippi compatriots to proceed without me the captain immediately rushed at me pistol in one hand and drawn sword in the other shouting move forward sir move forward so fiercely that i was almost tempted to take him at his word but better counsel prevailed i belong to the fourth texas colonel i explained hastily whereupon cajoled by my flattery into returning it he exclaimed that's all right then captain nobody would be so far in front but a texan my trust in colonel carter was speedily justified by the approach of the fourth but we had not gone a hundred yards after i dropped into the ranks of company f when we heard the report of half a hundred muskets in our rear halting and looking back we saw a line of campfires springing up as if by magic on the top of the hill at the edge of the woods while the tall silhouettes of many men and horses flitted around them and between them and us half an hour later the brigade faced to the left and the first texas leading marched toward the lights suddenly a loud voice cried halt a single gunshot rang out in the still night air and the command came whispered back silence we are surrounded by the enemy End of chapter six